They've done battle in different countries, in different competitions and at different clubs. It's football's version of Professor X against Magneto or, if you like, He-Man against Skeletor. It's Jurgen Klopp taking on Pep Guardiola. It's Liverpool against Manchester City at Anfield. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. our resident betting expert Mark O'Hare a pop culture quiz for a while Mark which comics or films are Professor X and Magneto from <laughs> yeah, you can uh, do it. I, I didn't know that one um, yeah I, I don't know the answer Jake's, <laughs> Jake's giving me the answer actually okay. X-Men there you go X-Men yeah. very very good very good uh, my son Rishi by the way has a middle name Xavier just because we thought it sounded cool so there you go uh, there's a little uh, pop culture fact for you uh, Liverpool 2.98 outsiders here at Anfield Mark uh, so pretty much 2 to 1 City 2.48 the draw 3.6 Mark with the Anfield factor bearing in mind what Liverpool have done to City at times with a full Anfield both in the Champions League and in the Premier League should Liverpool be the outsiders here? Uh, I wouldn't disagree that they, they should be favourite. I wouldn't agree they should be favourites in, in all honesty. Um, I think Jason made a fantastic sort of assessment of Man City's price going off as favourites for, for over four seasons. And that stat still remains after last weekend where the market was jumping all around the place uh, on Saturday morning against Chelsea. But City went off favourites to Stamford Bridge and then stamped their authority all over the title race with a magnificent performance, uh, not just with the with the ball, but also out of possession too. Uh, I thought they were terrific. But uh, yeah, this is the culmination of a really tough week for City uh, two pretty full on fixtures uh, already to play at Stamford Bridge and then going to Paris as well uh, you mentioned they don't have a great record at Liverpool um, you know you can almost take out the 4-1 win here last season because Henderson and Fabinho started at centre-half for Liverpool that day uh, and that's actually their only win in the last five trips so I went back to 2017-18 across Premier League and Champions League uh, and the average starting price of City in those five games was 2.46 so they have been favoured quite often and quite heavily favoured at Anfield and very rarely delivered certainly when Liverpool have been anywhere close to full strength so this is going to be difficult for them um, Liverpool going in great guns in terms of what they're doing in the final third scoring three goals or more in, in almost every game so far this season it seems um, but defensively I do still have a couple of question marks over them I don't think they're defending at the same standards they did during the title winning campaign uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is missing here which means potentially James Milner at right back or, or Joe Gomez might come in there as well I think I think they probably should field Gomez. I think he's the better defender and he'd be up against Grealish. So, if, you know, if Milner's there, it looks like a yellow card all day. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum anyway. Um, but I, I think this game is going to be brilliant, to be honest. I'm really looking forward to it. It's the game I think we all look forward to more than most because matches between these two tend to be entertaining, tend to be absorbing. Both coaches and both teams tend to go at it more than most matches between sort of big six teams. Uh, eight of the last 10 Premier League or Champions League meetings have gone over two and a half. Uh, and I think even without that stat, you look at the, the talent on show in forward areas, you'd be a very nervous backer. I don't think you could even watch the match if you were on unders here. So over two and a half goals was was quite appealing actually at the prices. But um, I've actually just kind of gone back to, to where we started really and taking Liverpool plus a quarter on the Asian handicap you know, making a half-stakes win if the game ends all square. I know how good City were last week at Chelsea, but this is a different kettle of fish. As you say, a full Anfield, uh, a, a Liverpool team 
in forward areas in, in full flow at the moment, scoring goals, confident. Uh, and I think they'll be encouraged by, by City's performance in midweek against Paris. Uh, they had a bit of a, an easier ride at Porto. Uh, I know their goalkeeper gave them a massive helping hand in at least three of those goals. But even still, uh, expecting a, an entertaining game, a fascinating game, but I'd rather be of Liverpool with the start. The data doctor is in. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal has dusted off the XG robots. He's raring to go. Jake, the City performance against Chelsea, absolutely outstanding, especially without the ball. I actually thought against Paris, they were okay. I I thought Paris obviously got that moment of magic from Messi. Uh, Idrissa Gay took his goal very well, but I thought there were deficiencies in Paris's performance and had Bernardo Silva not missed from three yards out effectively uh, with no goalkeeper, <laughs> yeah, then uh, it would have been a totally different game. So what did you make of them over the last couple of games? Yeah, I think they've been excellent, really. Um, you know, they, they dominated the game against PSG. Uh, the XG totals for the games is uh, against Chelsea and PSG were pretty much identical. Um, so Chelsea was 0.3, 1.7 in City's favour. PSG was 0.57, 1.71 in City's favour. So they created the chances um, and they limited two really good attacking teams very, very well. And, and I think that's a key for me heading into this match is, is just how well Manchester City are playing defensively. Um, you know, going forward, there's a lot of talk about do City need a striker? Is the false nine, you know, sustainable? Is it going to work over a full season? I think they proved last season that the, the case is yes, it, it will work. They, they are capable of winning the title. Um, but when your defence is playing the way it is, you don't need to be creating as many chances as, as a Liverpool um, to, to actually win matches because they're conceding an average of 0.5 expected goals against per game this season, which is a staggeringly low total uh, and if they were to sustain that over the course of the season it would be the best defensive performance over a full Premier League season um, based on XG since 2014 which is when we started collecting the data so that shows you the kind of levels that they're currently operating at uh, and to go to Chelsea and limit them in such a manner was a real statement and I think we all agree it was one of the best performances we've seen in the Premier League for a good long while um, doing that to Liverpool is another kettle of fish. Um, it's a completely different challenge. You two are obsessed fact. with fish. You've both said kettles <laughs> of fish so far. Did we? Yes. <laughs> Maybe I, uh, I heard it and just inadvertently said it. But, I like yeah. the idea of teenagers listening going, what are they talking about? What are these <laughs> kettles of fish? What's going on? Uh, not literal kettles of fish. No. That would be odd. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, to Liverpool, they, they are rampant from an attacking standpoint. I mean, they've scored three or more goals in all the last six matches in all competitions they're averaging over three expected goals per game at the current standings they're the best attacking team in the league based on expected goals City the best defensive team in the league so for me that's the key battle it is can City slow Liverpool's attack down because going the other way like Mark said I've got real question marks still about Liverpool's defence they finished last season exceptionally well from a defensive standpoint Uh, they started the season well uh, but the game against Brentford I know it's just one game and we can't get too carried away the way in which they were exposed, I'm pretty sure Pep Guardiola will have made a few notes and uh, and and try will be trying to replicate to some extent what Brentford managed to do, uh, and that could cause serious issues. So you know, if you're looking at it as a matchup perspective, Liverpool's attack versus Manchester City defence, I'd probably give Liverpool maybe a goal. City's attack versus Liverpool's defence, I think I I probably would give City two goals uh, based on what we've seen so far. Uh, And the control of the game that I expect City to have will contribute to that. Um, So what I expect to be an absolutely, you know, a thrilling encounter from a tactical perspective and like an atmosphere perspective, 
I think City are, are fairly priced um, and I am looking at backing them in some way, shape or form. Uh, I'm not going to back them outright because I think there is the capability of this being a, um, a draw. I, don't, I might expect it to be a dull draw, but I expect that the draw really is in play because these two are quite evenly matched, especially at Anfield. Um, so I'm going to take Manchester City plus 0 on the Asian handicap, which is around 1.85 on the exchange. Um, so money back if the game ends in a draw. Um, a winner at 1.85, Manchester City do get the win. And I know they've had a tough week, three away games in a row against three of the best teams in Europe. But I think that this Manchester City squad is good enough to go to Anfield and get a result. Now, Liverpool have Alisson, City have Edison. We have a one-name wonder as well because Stinch, odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe, is with us once again. Stinch, how do you see this one playing out? Because it's it will set the tone for the rest of the title race, won't it? I know it's only three points, but it feels psychologically that this is massive. Is that because uh, Brighton and Everton at the top of the table will be you know, wondering <laughs> if they can take advantage of somebody slipping I think slipping so, up? yeah. Definitely Brighton, <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, like, I haven't really got a major view on the game. Um, I think the odds are probably about fair. If you compare the last time that there were fans at Anfield, Liverpool City in the 1920 season, and it was around a similar time to this as well, I think it was early November or late October, the match odds are exactly the same. So I'm happy to, to, to say that, that that's okay. Um, you know, Liverpool seem to be back in a bit of a groove with the return of Van Dyke. Uh, definitely there does look to be some, um, Problems is not the right word, but uh, it looks like the defence, you can get at it maybe a little bit. But I think that's just because it's a bit early days with the rebedding in of, of some of these players and Fabinho and Henderson moving back in midfield, for example. Uh, but then sort of counteract that, I'm still concerned long term for City without a natural poacher. You know, if they had a natural poacher instead of uh, Bernardo Silva in the week, would that result have been different? Potentially, yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, not, I'm happy to suggest the match odds are right. I think what was quite interesting in the, in the goal line, um, when when I say that referring back to the previous game from a couple of years ago, over two and a half goals was eight to 15. And this time around, it's four to six. So if you've got if you've got a view there, and Mark did kind of touch on overs, uh, maybe that would be the way to go. It's not often you'll see uh, over two and a half goals or four to six, particularly in a Liverpool match. So yeah, not not a major view on on the game as a whole. Uh, happy to one, I'm happy to leave it alone. But I think if you're if you've got uh, an edge on Liverpool or Man City that you've been backing previously this season, maybe it's a goal angle, maybe it's taking City. You know, remember what Jason was saying about the fact that they have been going off favourites for the last four years so nothing wrong with maybe Jake's bet for example taking City on the Asian handicap because you know you are kind of backing the right team because they are the favourite um, yeah I would just maybe side with uh, you know keep keep uh, backing the edge that, that maybe you, you believe is is apparent but but in this game yeah I, I've just I'm not got to say a major view and, and happy to focus uh, elsewhere this weekend. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair's offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Now, Tottenham were monumentally awful in the North London derby last weekend. They're in dire need of a boost as they face Aston Villa. Jake, I saw some data regarding Harry Kane in the week and he just isn't having enough touches in the opposition box, pulling out to the left a lot. 
we know he can drop deep and get assists. We know all that. But he's he's just nowhere near where he needs to be consistently enough. Is that Tottenham's biggest problem at the moment, do you think? Or are there more issues here? There's a load more issues. <laughs> there really is. Do we need um, a special podcast just for this? We I probably think we do, might. actually, yeah. Um, Spurs in crisis. I'm sure the producer, Dan, would uh, enjoy that. Um, but yeah. It, You're there, just going to have is... your fader turn down very slowly. <laughs> as the if, if I disappear, you know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, they really are all over the place. Um, you know, the, the start of the season, three wins on three, everyone's getting carried away, but the underlying numbers painted a picture of them being incredibly fortunate in that time performances have stayed the same and they've been battered the last three matches um, yeah there's issues in attack you mentioned Harry Kane there his total XG for the season is 0.99 and that's his total uh, he usually averages 0.8 expected goals per game on a, uh, in, a, in a good season 0.65 in a bad season so you you're starting to see the kind of level of output he's receiving and that and that you know it's partly down to him because you know as people have mentioned, his attitude and his you know his game, general play doesn't look to the levels as what we've seen in previous years. But he's playing in a team that just aren't creating chances. Uh, I honestly don't know what Tottenham are at the minute. They you know usually a team that aren't creating chances are focused on defending. They're the fourth worst defensive team in the league based on expected goals. So it's not that going forwards. You know it just seems non-existent. They're, they're the second worst attacking team based on expected goals this season, which is. Staggering, really, when you you know you think about the quality of players that they've got. You know, Son and Kane are usually 15, 20 goals guaranteed. But the moment but you've said, Jake, since we started this show, you've said Tottenham's numbers are that of a mid-table team. So even when Kane was bashing in a load of goals, Son was bashing in a load of goals, you've said pretty much consistently the whole time this team is no good. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be proven right on that. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, I think I think it's, it all started the second half of the season. I think it was was 18, 19, where Spurs played Liverpool in the Champions League final. The second half of that season was where things started to to take a real downturn from an XG process standpoint, where they started becoming a mid-table team from a top four team. Mourinho couldn't save that. Obviously, they got. A, overperformed in terms of the results and it's the same again last season they actually were fortunate to finish as high as seventh and qualify for the coveted Europa Conference League um, and so far this season they're, they're doing exactly the same and it, it's just it's frustrating to, to watch because you know you can see what's happening you can see you can see it happening and everyone thought oh Nuno's coming in he'll freshen things up a little bit I personally thought that he would implement the same back three because I thought they've got players that Spurs to play a back three um, and with, with attacking win backs I mean Sir Reggion he's, he doesn't defend does he let's be honest I mean he He's a left. He's a left forward playing as a left back. Uh, the way in which he was exposed by Saka last weekend, uh, and they've got Matt Doherty, who's built for that right wing back system as well. Um, you know, you can play Kane then in a front three with maybe Son and Mora, have him dropping in where you need to, and have him pushing up high. So I just thought that was that would be the next step in their development in terms of trying to get them back on track. But this four, but four three three system, it's just clearly not working. I mean, playing Hoiberg. Deli Ali and Don Blaine in midfield three is asking for trouble because as we saw on the Monday Night Football analysis, Ali and Don Blaine are just pushing too high up and leaving that entire defence exposed, which is a bang average defence, and that's why they're conceding the chances. 1.99 expected goals against per game is what they're conceding through six matches this season. Um, and that is 
you know, you combine that with their attacking process, which is averaging just over one expected goals for per game. And that's a relegation team. It really is. They're the kind of numbers we expect to see from Norwich, Watford, you know, Newcastle. That's the kind of level that they're playing at right now. Um, and, and it shows, I mean, only Norwich have picked up fewer expected points than Tottenham this season. Um, and that, you know, that says it all really. If things don't change, then don't be at all surprised if Spurs continue to slide. Um, as you hinted at there, Kev, Kane and Son, they papered over the cracks last season uh, and, and half the season before that with some extremely clinical finishing. I think Kane finished with, was it 14 or 15 assists last season? And his expected assist total was like six. So that kind of shows you the clinical nature, unsustainable nature of, of his team's finishing. Um, and, you know, when it comes to this game in particular, they're playing an Aston Villa team. We've just gone to Man United and won. So they'll not fear Tottenham whatsoever. Playing an Aston Villa team who probably under the radar have been performing very well defensively. Um, they've ranked as the fifth best defensive team based on non-penalty expected goals. So... They're more than capable of going up, going to Tottenham and, and completely stifling what is already a non-existent attacking process from Spurs. Um, the only issue Villa have had is, is coming creating the chances where they rank as the third worst team in the league based on non-penalty expected goals. One of the teams worse than them is actually Tottenham. So effectively, <laughs> you've got two of the worst attacking teams going head to head. And one of the teams is really, really solid at the back. So... I looked at this game and I was gobsmacked to see under two and a half goals priced uh, even money. I thought it'd be the favourite of the two. Um, maybe people are looking at score lines and seeing Spurs lose 3-0, 3-0, 3-1 and seeing, you know, they're conceding a lot of goals. They are conceding a lot of chances, but against this Villa attack, um, I'm not expecting this to be too high scoring. In the same token, I'm not expecting Spurs to be able to create chances against Villa. So unders to me look like, um, you know... For me, this is one of the bets of the weekend. I really am excited about this bet. I'll be hammering it. So um, get on board quickly before the price disappears. And yeah, I, I'm just, I think I've said enough about Tottenham. I think I should let someone else talk now. You're exhausted, Jake. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we used to bash Arsenal. It's Arsel, November. Bit, you you know. do realise it's November. You, you've woken up and it, <laughs> that's where we've got to. But you're right. I mean, everything you said is absolutely spot on. I mean, this is a Tottenham team that's struggling badly. And therefore, Marco Hare, why on earth are they 2.2 here? <laughs> uh, well, the market's already pushed them out from odds on quotes when on first show, basically. And, you know, if you go back to, to May when this fixture was taking place and Jack Grealish played for Aston Villa, Spurs are around 1.66. Um, so the market has lost complete faith in Tottenham over the past couple of months uh, since Nuno came in. Um, and it's hard to have too much faith in them yourselves. You know, Jake's already sort of outlined the reasons for it. I said before last week's show that I didn't feel they'd be given enough grief for their opening sort of couple of performances compared to what Arsenal received. Well, that's definitely changed this week. And suddenly now this becomes a massive match for Nuno going into an international break. If he doesn't get a decent performance out of those players, serious questions and potentially his future is up for discussion during the international break. So we'll see if there's a response. Uh, I'm not holding any hope out for it because so far I think Watford's the only game in which Spurs have possibly deserved to, to win or, or being the better team in. Um, you know, that midfield is 
is not suitable. The system doesn't seem to work right now. And it just feels like an extension of the Jose Mourinho era, um, unfortunately, for Nuno, who stylistically probably is quite similar to Mourinho in how he sets his team up. But yeah, it's not pretty. Um, I looked at their record since the start of last season when they've been going off as even money favourites or, or, or just bigger than that. And um, there's been nine occasions and they've only won three of those, two of which were against Man City, where they were outplayed and very fortunate to get the points. So, yeah, not holding out much hope. Um, I think Aston Villa have been quietly, as Jake says, going under the radar, producing some really quite impressive performances. Um, really impressed by their efforts at Stamford Bridge. Watched the game at Old Trafford last week, fully deserving of the points I felt as well. Uh, I think they'll do a, a carbon copy job here at Tottenham in terms of playing in transitions and, and looking to stay tight and difficult to, to break down. Um, they've had a full week to prepare. Spurs are in Europe action on Thursday. There's no new injuries or suspensions for Villa. Um, you know, Spurs are bottom five for almost every metric you can look into at the moment. So, feels like a good opportunity to, to oppose them to. I also think um, there will be a few goals in this game. So you can look to back Villa double chance or Villa plus 0.5 at around 1.8. Or you could also go into the sportsbook, into the bet builder and chuck in under three and a half goals alongside Villa double chance, which just boosts that price up to 2.2 and gets like all the correct score favourites on your side as well. If you're a Spurs fan, you've just listened to that last 10 minutes. Do something nice for yourself. Go and get a bit of chocolate or something or get a biscuit. <laughs> Do something nice. That must have been uh, quite a sobering listen, quite frankly. Let's move to the game between Leicester and Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. Leicester really struggling defensively at the moment. Palace have shown recent signs of life under Patrick Vieira, but did concede a late leveller against Brighton. Stinch, I think you fancy goals here and I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm looking at over two and a half goals, which is the outsider here at a shade of uh, odds on twenty to twenty-one. I think that's I think that's quite a nice bet, to be honest. Um, it's a great been, price, isn't it? Well, I've been I've been I think it's probably because the market's still stuck between Roy Hodgson and Patrick Vieira. Like Palace, obviously historically under Hodgson aren't a goal-heavy team, whereas now it looks as though Vieira's moving away from that. But again, we've you know we've only got what six games of data, so not not quite sure where where they're at basically so it's kind of it's kind of stuck in between uh that's why you know we're looking at nearly 50 50 on over or under really so but i'm happy to look at you know long term and leicester and um side side with them in terms of this bet to be honest because 16 of the last 21 have gone over two and a half goals so you know it's more than 75 percent um and we're talking about a bet that's uh, just over 50 percent likely so yeah that you know again that's where i'm looking at in terms of disparity you mentioned they look at all at sea defensively couldn't agree more just three clean sheets in that 21 game spell um i know they've got problems defensively but and some of those players are coming back but that's not something that's going to change overnight in my opinion i think they're very lucky not to lose against burnley last week in the end um, and that's Burnley at home. So, you know, that's a game that they were, I think, like 8 to 15 to win. So the fact they nearly lost, you know, tells a big, big story. Um, but in se- and having said all that, I really like Leicester going forward. You know, Vardy, Iheanacho, uh, Pat Sandaka that's come in, Perez, Madison Barnes, you know, they're really exciting. And I, you know, I think the beauty of this kind of bet is Leicester could score the three goals themselves and then you're not sort of worrying about Palace. So yeah, I think that's, that's why, that's why the, this bet goes, goes together well with, with Leicester. Um, during that 21 games I mentioned, there were 74 goals scored, which is over three and a half a game. And yet the, the goal, expectancy here is just 2.5 so again you know a full goal differential there Leicester will have played Thursday night away in Europe so they have to have that that trip back and 
mentioned last week, I just I don't fancy Palace defensively, and I think it was just really poor that you know they dropped two points in in the 95th minute from a from a goal kick, their goal kick, and then two touches later the ball was in the back of the net. Um, they allowed a clearance basically to turn into a through ball, which I think. Uh, is is completely unacceptable but they, you know they've got two two defenders one that's new to the premier league and they're both quite young still and they're trying to bed in a partnership but at the same time i think Vieira is ultimately trying to be a bit more offensive so yeah i think chances at both ends here um so yeah hopefully uh over two and a half goals um will we'll come in you know the premier league is looking around about 2.7 goals per game so the fact that we just expected 2.5 here Happy to happy to side side with this, you know, another long term sustainable edge until it sort of erodes. If Stinch was my manager, I'd be quite scared. I think. I think. I think he'd be quite intense in the dress in the dressing room. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You'd have data to back it up, but I, I wouldn't want to mess with you. Stinch's team. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet twenty pounds on multiples or bet builders and receive a five pound free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. It's time to start zooming around the continent. We're going to start with Stabæk against Bodo Glimt in Norway. Mark, Bodo let us down a little bit last week against Valerenga. They won 1-0. I was expecting fireworks. Yeah, I was as well. It was really disappointing, but the bigger picture for Bodo was um, Molder dropped points and uh, Bo- uh, Bodo have gone three points clear now at the top of the table, uh, looking to sort of uh, defend their, their title from last year, the first in their history. And um, yeah, they don't need a huge amount of introduction. We've talked about them many times in the past year or two. Uh, they're top of the table now, ranking first or second across almost every metric in Norway by quite a sizable distance there. Bodo and, and Molder ahead of the rest of the pack and uh, five wins from six. They're going great guns at the moment. Um, unbeaten since the end of June. Uh, five wins from five. When you look at their record against the bottom four this season, they've scored 14 goals in those five games as well. Uh, this really should be their bread and butter going to Starbeck and who are second from bottom. Uh, drew nil-nil midweek in their game in hand. Um, have actually kept back-to-back clean sheets, which is very rare for them but they've not offered a huge amount going forward. And their record against the top 10, uh, they've played 12 games against the top 10 bracket, picked up just three points, three draws and nine defeats, conceding multiple goals in 11 of those 12. Uh, so yeah, they rank rock bottom across almost every metric I have to hand, conceding gallons of chances per game. Bodo is not the kind of team you want to give away too many opportunities to. So just really surprised at the, uh, the age and handicap line here. You can get Bodo minus three quarters of a goal at 1.8 uh, on the uh, exchange, which means you're basically making money should Bodo win away uh, the team second from bottom, uh, which makes complete appeal to me. I think it's one of the best bets in Europe this weekend. Don't be saying gallons of chances. People will be off panic buying petrol again. Uh, Hitafe <laughs> against Real Sociedad is an intriguing game from La Liga. Stinch, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Hitafe, the bruisers of the league, lost Jose Bordelas, their inspirational coach, to Valencia. And now they are officially rubbish. They have been absolutely appalling so far this season. Whereas Real Sociedad, even though they've had lots of injury problems, have actually been rattling along quite nicely. Yep, kind of a complete 
different ends of the spectrum in terms of performance and, and results, both of these teams. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the season the possibility of Hatafe suffering relegation because of the, the loss of Bordelas. You know, he was that important. He was getting the best out of a very limited set of players. And I think whoever came in really um, was always going to be, be, be struggling, to be honest. Like, very difficult, I believe, to replicate what Bordelas achieved. Atafe regularly punched above their weight last season. And I, I don't think he's helped himself by trying to make sort of wholesale changes in the team. You know, there's some mainstays from, from last season that are barely getting a game. Uh, Damian Suarez, Alan Neom, uh, Jaime Mata, for example. Walking yellow cards, Neom I mean, and I'm obviously uh, Suarez. Talking from a, yeah, I'm obviously talking yeah. from a personal perspective because I'm really gutted. I'm not able to bet on yeah. them to get cards. But in exactly. terms of Atafe fans and as a team, <laughs> I do think these raft of changes have have, con- have been a contributing factor to, to this. And um, yeah, so I mentioned they were 11 to 2 to be relegated at the start of the season. They're now 13 to 10 because they've lost six out of six. They scored the fewest goals in the league with just two. They've conceded the joint most with 12. Um, and it's completely backed up by what they're doing Underneath that on the pitch, it's the worst expected goals going forward for the second bottom expected points. Whereas Sociedad, uh, all the numbers kind of backing up their, their good start to the season. They've won five out of seven, just one defeat, which was away against Barcelona of all teams, a, a terrible Barcelona, but um, maybe we can let them off because that was the opening day. Um, but they're third for expected goals for, they're third for expected points. And in my mind, this is this is a match where only one team is going to play on the front foot and, and try and win it um, in, in, the, in the correct manner. And that's Sociedad. And Sociedad are 23 to 20. So that, you know, they're odds against. So it's a great opportunity to use the Asian handicap on the exchange and take Sociedad minus a quarter. So we get the draw on side a little bit as well. So that's around about 1.95. So that's half our bet on Sociedad to win and half our bet on Sociedad draw no bet. So if it is a draw, we're still going to get half our stake back. Uh, Sociedad won the both games 1-0 and 3-0 last season. So I fully believe they know how to break down this Hatafe side. And I think the beauty of, of the odds here is because, because the market still got Hatafe down as this turgid team, under two and a half goals is just four to nine. So essentially, the draw is a big runner. But I, I, th- I firmly believe that because of the way the game is going to play out, the best approach is to get Sociedad onside. And I don't think it will be long until the market kind of neglects Hatafe and sees their sort of poor defensive numbers that they're putting up on a weekly basis. Uh, Jake, you've got a view on this one as well. Very similar, yeah. Um, you know, I think Stinch, as he's been saying, has been hammering Atafe for since the start of the season. Rightly so, they look a really, really poor side and serious, serious danger of relegation. The numbers back that up, as Stinch was saying, defensively conceding loads of chances. Uh, Sociedad creating plenty going forward. Um, I, you know, Stinch's approach is absolutely a fantastic one to have. You get a bit, a bit of uh, security just in case as well. Um, but personally, I, I was just so surprised to see Sociedad at just at 2.26 on the exchange. I think that as a massive price. There's two actually that stood out to me this weekend in, in the Liga. Sociedad and Sevilla as well, who look quite a big price at Granada. But Sociedad in particular, uh, I'm happy just to go straight on them to win the match because I think Katafi are that bad. Um, and Sociedad are, are proving to be to be that good. And I know they play on uh, Thursday night, but I think they'll still prove too strong for this Hitafi team that are all over the place. 
And finally, a trip to Liga, Rennes against Paris Saint-Germain. Stinch, you've got something for us from that one. Yeah, it's the PSG oil machine has continues to chugger <laughs> along in the Farmers League. Um, don't think I'm going to say anything too mad by suggesting they might win another football match. They're four to seven, uh, sorry, just short of four to seven away to Rennes. Um, PSG have won 14 of the last 15 Liga matches. And actually, the one they didn't win in that run was away against Rennes, which finished 1-1. But of course, now they've got Messi and everybody else that that, that goes along with that. Uh, but in that 1-1 draw, actually, they were without Mbappe. So that, you know, it was good to see Mbappe and, and Messi link up together for the goal uh, during the week. And the angle I'm looking at here is PSG to win and under four and a half goals at evens. Regularly, we speak about a team to win and under three and a half goals. So I think straight away, I'm being a little bit clever by managing to eke out an extra goal here. Not that PSG's attack is kind of completely clicked. I think we've alluded to alluded to it a lot. They're not blowing teams away. Um we look at the fact that um, Herrera and Idrissa Gay are the ones that are contributing to the goals as much as the other guys, which kind of tells you that they're obviously not scoring um, a goal a game. So it kind of says exactly how fewer the other lads are, are contributing. But uh, Ren's games have been generally low scoring. 14 of the last 20 have been under two and a half. And here I'm talking about an under four and a half bet. And if you just look purely at the odds in the game, with PSG being just short of four to seven, under three and a half goals is the favourite at one to two. So the fact that I'm able to kind of marry those two together, eke out an extra goal and get evens, I think is uh, is the best route in. Um, and if you want to con- continue along the, the front of uh, Herrera and Idrissa Gay scoring, bearing in mind that those two combined have scored more than Neymar, Messi, Di Maria and Icardi combined, they're both 8-1. to one. So it's very difficult to pick between either of them because they've both got four goals, but uh, maybe a couple of small bets on uh, them to arrive late from midfield to contribute to this game. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other Betfair shows to enjoy like NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better and two racing shows as well. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or visit Betfair.com. From Jake, Mark, Stinch and me, it's goodbye for now.